Fifth Step podcast. Today I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray about how to avoid car crash projects. So, Darren, why is this topic so relevant in 2019? Well, these are uncertain times, Chris. We've got political uncertainty. We've got you know all kinds of uncertainty around the world at the moment. You know, certainly trying to avoid the the B Brexit word um, in that description. But that's uh, amongst some of the things that are making it uh, uncertain, certainly in Europe at the moment. So, in, in the last 20 years, we've seen you know, the rise and, and rise of the term project management. Um, when you know. When did uh, why did project management become um, so popularised? Well, I guess in most people's minds, uh, you know, many people look back at shows like The Apprentice, for example, that use the term project manager and project manager of the week and all those kinds of things, and that popularised it. But really, you know, the um, the basis of project management goes back, you know. Um, you know, back to the 1950s and 1960s. In fact, a big part of project management was a very important part of um, the moon race. Uh, the Apollo moon race was um, you know, very much brought project management along and enhanced many of the skills and capabilities and pushed project management at the time to its, to its limits in what was still very much a paper age at that point in time. Oh, I guess that was the ultimate project, really, really uh, sending sending people to the moon. But there are there are there are different types of roles um, now that it's evolved since then, um, and I, I gather these are pretty essential. There are essentially types of project managers. So, what what kind of project managers are there out there today? Yeah, there's lots of different names for project managers. You know, Scrum Master is probably the one that leaps to most people mind, people's minds. But you know, there's different types of project manager as well. You know. Uh, from project manager, there's program manager too. Um, that's a different kind of project manager. The program managers tend to, you know, be responsible for a large program of work, which might consist of several projects beneath them. But it doesn't really matter for today's podcast. You know, whatever kind of project manager you are, or whatever methodology you're using, the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about today are really very much, you know, the important aspects irrespective of what size the project is or indeed what methodology you're using. There are all sorts of different methodologies. I mean, having spoken, I, I speak to people, say, in the London insurance market, and I've got you know, someone I know who, who puts claims management systems into uh, Deloitte of London, and he's been telling me that people are moving from so-called waterfall methods to, to agile. That seems to be the way things are going at the moment, isn't it? Oh, very much. I mean, the agile movement has been, uh, you know, very... Uh, popular for well for probably for the last 15 years and gra- gaining pace over that time and it's a very good way of looking at things and some some projects uh, naturally uh, fall more towards the waterfall side or methodology uh, but many many projects these days are run in a more agile way and agile tries to address some of these issues that we're trying to talk about today but it doesn't mean that they don't occur and it doesn't mean that all organizations are agile ready There are still many organisations that perhaps run their projects in a hybrid way, a combination of both agile and waterfall in some respects, you know, gathering, you know, a number of sprints into, um, you know, into a certain stage, for example, and then moving on to the next stage, Um, you know, a a sort of hybrid approach. Is it, do you think people listening to this podcast, would would it be useful to find out what, you know, what is the difference between an agile project and a waterfall project? I mean, what... What do, what do these terms actually mean? Well, a waterfall project tends to have uh, very distinct areas of activity. So you do one thing before you then move on to the next thing. So you define your 
requirements for your computer system, for example, and then you go on to actually build that computer system. So uh, in a waterfall project, you tend to end up with a lot of documentation and the project tends to take quite a long time. And uh, one criticism of waterfall projects historically has been that the the business side, as opposed to the IT side, if we're talking about a software project, for example, is involved perhaps right at the very beginning and then right at the very end at the testing stage. And if you're talking about a long project and historically, you know, mainframe computer system projects, for example, um, you know, they perhaps last three years. So the organization would request a system, specify the contents of that system, and then uh, the programmers would go off and program it for three years to those specifications, um, perhaps with some changes during the, that time being identified, but broadly speaking, getting on and programming the, the software. Then at the end of that three years, the yeah. system would be handed over to the business to start their testing. And it was at that point that perhaps people realized that the business had moved on quite significantly in the last three years. And actually, they either didn't need the, the system the way that it was working now or there were going to be significant changes to that system. And that's a more waterfall approach. So recognising that, Agile is a far more iterative approach So, and works far more closely with um, subject matter experts within the business uh, you know, as opposed to IT on a far more regular basis, so you know, almost constantly in, uh, in all stages. And it tends to mean that there's a specification, build, test, or review and test in uh, a very short period of time. You know, perhaps within um, you know, many organisations will run two week sprints, for example. Yeah. Uh, a sprint being you know the the unit of time or the amount of time that the the organisation has spent building that uh, that particular functionality or capability. Well, yeah, well, three years is a, is quite, is a long long time these days, right? I mean, the technology moves so fast, <clears throat> and there's so much uncertainty and volatility in the world. So I guess you know you need to. You need to start start your projects quickly and then and finish them quickly. Um, but whatever the, 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 the you know the the methodology you use, whether it's agile or waterfall, I mean projects go go wrong quite often. You know what are the, the what are the common reasons for you know, for projects starting to fail? Yeah, I mean these ones that we're going to talk about here really are ones that uh, Fifth Step has encountered in helping our clients over the last you know eight or nine years of. Uh, you know, of, uh, of running project rescue and running projects for organisations. So, um, you know, these are some of the ones that we've encountered. They're some of the more popular ones. There are many different reasons why projects fail, um, but really they come down typically to uh, you know to some of these. And the first one that it's very important to mention and to recognise is poor scope definition and scope creep. Yeah. So. Uh, Scope is really defining the boundaries of projects, you know, what it's going to do, what it's going to cover. You know, an example might be we're going to install a computer system uh, for use in one location, in one branch or one office or whatever it may be, one floor within a particular building in some cases. And that defines the scope. Now, if that scope changes, uh, for example, it's now going to be installed in two locations, that obviously requires additional work. But you'll be amazed, Chris, um, how often perfectly intelligent and uh, rational people um, associated with projects can convince themselves that actually they can now do two locations with you know, very little more effort than one location. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes that isn't possible, but what I am saying is that all too often um, teams are 
uh, convinced of that. And it's sort of a, a cheerleader leader moment. You know, it's sort of a very rah-rah project uh, approach to try and convince people, yes, you can do it. Yes, we can do it. We'll work longer. We'll work harder. We'll get it done kind of thing. And actually, all too often, um, you know, that enthusiasm isn't enough to carry uh, the extra load and the extra resources that are required for a project. So it's very important that uh, project managers have very uh, good control over their change management and recognize change. You know, the example I've given there is perhaps a very easy one to recognize, but sometimes change can be more subtle. It can be, you know, a subtle change, but the ramifications of that change further down the, the line mean that there is actually more work, far more work to be done than perhaps as originally recognized. So it's important that project managers have that good control over change management. And so, to a, to a certain extent, your your the role is to, to almost curb people's enthusiasm. Uh, to quote uh, a U.S. Uh, popular U.S. Uh, TV show. <laughs> yeah, indeed, I don't think we want to. Uh, yeah, Larry David, as great as he is, I don't think he uh, he'd make a particularly uh, good project ma- manager. And if David is listening, then I uh, you know Larry David is um, listening. Then I don't mean that as any kind of slur. If he is a project manager, um, a qualified project manager, then we would welcome as part of the Fifth Step team. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Um, But yes, you're quite right. It's very much um, keeping a level head, but not necessarily curtailing the the changes that need to be done or the scope. If the scope needs to increase, that's perfectly fine. It's more about recognising the impact of that scope increase on the project, the project resources. Resources can be people, time and money. So what what should you do if you you are facing project uh, scope creep right now? So if you're facing it right now, uh, you know, if you're a project manager and, uh, you know, I've suddenly rang a load of uh, bells in your head, um, then first of all, understand what your resource shortfall is. What extra impact is this change having on your on your project? You know, do you need more money? Do you need more people? Do you need more time? Do you need all three? Very often that, that can be the case. So understand what the, the resource shortfall is. Um, communicate this shortfall. Um, most projects these days um, have reasonable project governance, so they'll have the concept of a project sponsor or project stakeholders. If your project doesn't have that, okay, then you're perhaps in a stickier position. You really need that level of project governance, but raise it with whoever is the beneficiary of the project or whoever's paying for the project is the other way of looking at this. Okay, We're not going to be able to make this project a success with two locations on the same budget within the same time with only the same number of people. That's not going to be possible. Here's what we need. That kind of conversation needs to be had. Um, But also, it's important that project managers are tenacious to get what they need, but also be creative. You know, um, don't just accept, oh, okay, we've got another location that's going to double the work. You know, is there a creative way that you can do this? Um, that you can accelerate things and that's very much the agile approach is to try and be creative and to find ways of pulling a project forward doing some work earlier on in the project and that kind of stuff so be creative about ways to mitigate and overcome the shortfall and make sure that you're not putting the project at risk that's the absolute key thing you've got to keep the project on track not put it at risk but also be able to communicate and mitigate those issues Okay, well, risk is a key factor. Clearly, I mean, when you're dealing with, you no, know, but when a business is dealing with complex change, there's always going to be an element of risk associated with that. So, what can you do to, you know, what can organisations do to mitigate those uh, their exposures in that regard? You're right, Chris. I mean, project management is really all about risk management. 
it's about getting things done and being able to foresee what's going on, what's going to happen, what's coming up. Now, this takes experience um, and it takes training in some respects. But one of the biggest challenges that we see in organisations is that a project manager, no matter what they've worked on before, they're considered to have the right skills, irrespective of whether you know they've been a, a construction project manager in the past. Uh, you know they may be considered by some organisations to have the skills just to do you know, a simple office move. Now perhaps they do, but that association of having the title project manager in one aspect doesn't mean that you're a good project manager in all aspects because there are disciplines. So having the right people for the right job is absolutely critical when you're looking at this kind of um, thing. But um, managing risk is all about you know capturing that risk and understanding uh, that risk um, and being able to communicate that risk too. Okay, and I guess you you also need to you know be able to identify the risks and document them, uh, document them, don't you? Yeah, that's absolutely um, key. I mean, um, I remember a, a project rescue that we did um, some you know some time ago with a with a client, and one of the challenges uh, that they'd had was poor risk management and poor risk control, um, making sure that that was captured. But one of the things that we heard uh, from multiple members of the project team was, I thought this might happen, or I knew this was going to happen, or I told Jane last month that this was going to happen. Now, those kinds of comments um, identify that the risk management wasn't um, fully understood by all members of the project team at the very least. Because if those kinds of things are being spoken about within the team, they need to be captured and they need to be communicated and then they need to be mitigated. So it's important that project managers ensure and empower their entire project team to ensure that they understand their part in the risk management process. Do you think that organisations uh, provide the, the right sort of support to their project teams um, or is that, can, can that be a, a major issue uh, as, as, as well? Well, support is absolutely critical. I mean, I mentioned um, you know the project governance approach and um, you know having sponsors for projects and things like that. If you're working in a, on a large project, you absolutely need an executive sponsor. Now, that's typically well recognised by organisations now. Um, you know, particularly the larger organisations. If you're working in a smaller organisation or a smaller team then perhaps you've got that tacitly by, uh, by the nature of the smaller team. But it's absolutely vital that um, organisations recognise the support the project teams uh, and project managers need as part of that. You go in to, to train people and provide them with the right tools. Uh, would, that, would, that, would that be fair to say, Darren? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's more less about the, um, the right um, you know, uh, project management software or something like that. It's more about providing them with the right kind of um, attitude and mentoring, you know, helping guide uh, project managers uh, who have, you know, have the basis of project management, they understand how to do project management, but actually helping them and guiding them and providing a sounding board. Now, a sounding board is really important um, to, I believe, to all, um, you know, to all individuals really, but uh, particularly to those in high stress environments, because Sometimes it can be the loneliest place, being a project manager or being an executive within an organisation, that kind of thing, can be very challenging. And sometimes uh, having those conversations internally have political ramifications or they're felt to have political ramifications. So having a sounding board that's external or a mentor that's external is something that uh, you know, FISTEP provides. And our customers tell us 
it's really useful. And many organisations increasingly recognise mentoring as a form of training or improvement. And that means that it can very often be tra- uh, paid for out of the training budget as opposed to you know, becoming a project cost or some, uh, you know, some other cost of having an additional resource on the project, for example. It sounds, it sounds like there's a, a lot of pressure, really, and must be a lot of pressure and stress and anxiety involved in being you know, a project manager, you know, running a, a major project. So what, what should you do if, you're, if you are facing you know, uh, poor project management right now? Yeah, I mean, you're right, Chris. Project management can be a very stressful job, and it's not for everyone. You know, uh, it can sound like a you know a gleaming and exciting job, and it is. It can be a very exceedingly satisfying job. So, um, you know, that is the case, but it's not for everyone. And where that's not the case, you know, where a project manager is in a role that isn't for them, there's a number of different options, of course. But assuming they want to you know continue to be a project manager, then having them seek out you know for the right kind of support you know ask internally um you know ask for uh, mentoring um you know come and talk to fifth step even um you know explore the options that fifth step has to offer in terms of project manager mentoring for example you know come and talk to us and we can tell you how we can work with uh, your organization or if it's even possible or if it's the right thing you know we may get to the end of the conversation and it's not the right thing but more often than not the conversations we have like that there's ways and means of helping um you know, helping project managers and helping organisations get their project delivered. But the most important thing is speak up, speak out, get the support of your project team, get the support of your um, sponsors, ask for that help and make sure that um, that you're getting the support that you need. So whether you know, you're know you a project manager starting out at the beginning of your career or even a highly experienced project manager, there, there comes a, a point where even... For the best of them, their, their projects may be derailing. So, no, what can they do to get you know, to get them back on track? Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's tempting to uh, for some project managers, and I've seen this, and particularly those who have come from a um, you know a very technical IT background. It can be very tempting just to you know knuckle down to go quiet and uh, you know try and establish what the problems are and try and fix the the problems. Um, in my experience, that's the worst approach to take because um, silence tends to mean, well, either that something's gone badly wrong or perhaps um, that everything's going okay. Depends. You know, your spot project sponsor might assume that everything's going to plan if they don't hear from you. Um, communication is a far bigger part of project manager than is often recognised, and I believe it's not often trained well enough, um, you know, or made, uh, you know, that awareness isn't given to project managers during training. So I guess my recommended approach for all project managers, um, you know, particularly at a crisis uh, point or when there's an incident has uh, occurred, is to practice CUA, okay? CUA stands for Communication, Understanding and Action. So communication is key. Get the message out. Make sure your project sponsors know. Make sure that everyone's aware that the project is suffering some challenges. Understanding is critical. So make sure you understand what is going wrong. Understand why it's going wrong. Okay, Then you can understand how to fix it. And then action and focus is imperative. So uh, having found out what's going wrong, don't sit back and let it coast on or assume it's someone else's problem. Get the team motivated. Get the team focused into action and actually fixing and resolving uh, the issues to get the project back on track. 
Now, in some instances, projects may have derailed so badly that it's beyond the, the skills of the you know, the project manager or the project management team, and you need, um, you know, a, a project rescue specialist. Um, that's something that project, you know, that uh, Fifth Step has done for many years, um, helping organisations and working with teams to actually get a project back on track. And that doesn't mean that Fifth Step necessarily comes in and takes over the project and runs it. We can work alongside the project team and the existing project manager or program managers to actually get that project or program back on track. Um, just by using the skills and experience that we've got of project rescue, combining those with the resource understanding, the resource and understanding that the local project team have of that particular instance and that particular project. The, the choice of the project manager when you're starting a big project is key, though, isn't it? It's absolutely vital, Chris. It's one of those things that, uh, well, as I said earlier on, all too often organisations assume, oh, well, um, you know. Bob or Jane or whatever, insert uh, your favourite name here, uh, has a title project manager, they can run this project. And, you know, perhaps they can. You know, you know your team better than obviously I do, but make sure that it's the right kind of project for them. Make sure you're setting them up for success. And as a project manager, if it's not a project that you can run, or if it's a project that you're going to need um, help or additional support on, then identify that earlier on. You know, as I said earlier on, come and speak to Fifth Step, reach out to us, see what, how we can help you uh, with that. Sure, we can run entire projects and we do. Um, you know, our clients tell us that you know, some of the key things about uh, the way that we work with them is our, you know, our flexible approach, the way that we can come in and work on you know, a part of a project or that we can come in and work on all of the project. You know, they find that experience um, you know, very valuable and a different way of working than other options um, you know, that uh, are available in the market. So think about that approach. Think about putting the right project manager on there. And then if it goes wrong and you need some additional support, then you know what to do from the rest of uh, this podcast. Okay. Well, you heard it there from, uh, from Darren. You know, first step project managers, they've got the experience and the expertise to, you know, to help ensure the, success, the uh, successful outcome of project. Um, I think we've uh, covered a, a lot of uh, useful information there today, uh, Darren, so thanks for that. Uh, and to all our listeners, <clears throat> if you'd like to know more about Fifth Step uh, uh, and our services, you know, visit the website, just go to fifthstep.com, that's F-I-F-T-H-S-T-E-P.com, uh, or you can find us on LinkedIn on the company page or even Twitter, at uh, Fifth Step. Uh, and also Darren, of course, I mean, you reach out to Darren directly. Yeah, please do do that. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn if you search for Darren Ray, and it's Ray with a W, W-R-A-Y. Do please reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to hear from, uh, from people, to, you know, to hear from podcast listeners. It's always a joy. And uh, if you want to know more about some of the topics we've spoken about here in terms of project management, as Chris said, go to the website. But I also wrote a book about IT leadership called The CIO Navigator, which covers some of these topics that we've spoken about today. Okay, and I believe you're working on a new book at the moment, aren't you, Darren? Yes, I am, Chris. Yeah, it's not making as much progress as I'd uh, like to. I obviously need to manage that project a little bit better myself. Yeah, well, but you're it's... getting lazy, I think. <laughs> lazy, that's right, yeah. Lazy and expecting a weekend and things like that, yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, thanks for that, Darren, and uh, look forward to speaking to you uh, and to our listeners um, very soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.